Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. I am your host, Michael Kernodo. It is a beautiful day for jazz, wouldn't you agree? And today's educator is none other than the extraordinaire, world-renowned known, Mr. Jeremy Carter. And his topic is deliberate versus intentional. I'm so excited to hear this session. As you know, Jeremy is one of the most sought after saxophonists here, not just here in Tampa Bay, but I would say worldwide. But before we talk about his bio or anything else, we want to make sure we thank our sponsors. So I want to say, please be sure to check out the studio archives of our past video sessions at clearwaterjazz.com education outreach section. That is brought to you by Blue Water Wealth Management at Stewart Partners and Duke Energy, as well as our Young Lines podcast, wherever you stream. And that's brought to you by our friends over there at Marine Max Clearwater. And just search Young Lines Jazz Master Virtual Sessions wherever you stream. I mean, where can I start? I mean, Jeremy has brought so many great sessions here at Clearwater Jazz. He is not a visitor at all, not a stranger at all. He's had great sessions as beginner, intermediate, and advanced tenor sax sessions. He did a lot about what I love about series. And also, we had some great conversations with some of the greatest, like Sam Dillon. How about that Terrence Martin? That was a great, great session you got to check that one out and if you don't know who jeremy carter is he is a saxophonist a professional saxophonist he's such an incredible performer he's traveled all over the world recorded as well he's a great educator uh and what can i say i always see him here in the tampa bay area and beyond with his band if you haven't heard them next show you got to go see them they're called the jeremy carter rubber band so without any further delay, I'm going to get out of the way. Jeremy Carter, the stage is all yours. Michael, man, thank you so much, man. What an introduction. Um, yeah, um, I'm really excited to be here again today uh, to share another topic, which, uh, which I think is super useful. Once again, thanks uh, to Steve Weinberger and all our other partners over at the Clearwater Jazz Holiday. Um, there's some other um, sessions in the archives that uh, I'll definitely reference uh, throughout this session just for, you know, some fundamental base. Um, and, and, and it would be really good just to go in there and uh, not just check out my, some of my sessions, but uh, just check out uh, the entire library in there. But uh, today's um, uh, session um, deliberate versus intentional. When when I initially um, suggested this topic, um, Steve was saying, like, wait, aren't they the same thing? And maybe by definition, um, uh, um, they they share a, they share a lot in common, right? But um, th this is a theory that I found useful. This is just a little nugget that uh, or way of thinking um, that I found really useful, whether I'm on stage improvising or I'm just in the woodshed and I'm working on stuff. Um, yeah, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to use some, uh, I might be able to get my drum genius going. If not, I'll just tap my toe <laughs> for, for some of the examples uh, to demonstrate. But uh, when you're thinking about 
improvising this concept of deliberate versus intentional um, it becomes useful, really, really useful to me, um, even when I'm practicing as well. And, and let me try to break this down or, or explain this. The idea of, of being intentional um, is not so good when you're thinking about uh, being in the interest of spontaneity. Intention is not as valuable to me in my head as being deliberate. Um, and let me let me just try to break it down. Being deliberate means that you there is meaning. You're meaning to do it, but the element that you're adding um, when you're talking about being deliberate is the other people, not just on the bandstand, but in the audience, right? You start playing some tunes, and the way that the audience responds to it is going to kind of dictate or should dictate what you do next. It's a constant flow. It's a constant um, um, uh, flow or a constant series of, uh, of decisions that are made um, in, 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 you know, lightning speed. Um, between uh, the musicians, you know, if you're playing a tune, whether it's blues or where it's like a turnaround and you do like a Coltrane type turn back, or you just know that instead of like a, a, a one, six, two, five, you're just going to lay on something else. You got to just kind of silently communicate because of things that you've already done. Right. Okay. So to me, that's being deliberate. If you're being intentional, right. And uh, if you're being intentional, it's like you're going to give the audience and your fellow musicians whatever you wish, regardless of what happens. You're just going to plow through, right? Um, and and I, I'm just saying I'm using this concept in the very um, focused um, framework of being spontaneous. There are certain times when being intentional is totally necessary. You know, it's totally okay. And so it's, it's what is required. Uh, if you're going through and you're, you're playing a show and there are pieces, there's written work. Like you intentionally want to play that with the best accuracy. Every note um, you want to have as unified um, precision on the attack of the note, the length and value of the note dynamically throughout, and the decay, right? Sometimes intention works. And so this concept, the reason that I'm, I'm addressing it is because I think it's good to kind of, to get out of that framework you know, not completely. Obviously, there's all kinds of decisions that are being made if you're playing a song. Um, you know, you have to, if you're playing a saxophone, you have to have your, you know, okay, there's lots of stuff that, that happens, but you're not really consciously, at least I'm not consciously thinking about all oh, this and then that, and you go there, C, E, D, and that. It's more of, I'm most often completely disconnected from that. I'm thinking about something else completely. Uh, and in the interest of spontaneity, right? But with a deliberate nature, 
And so if you're doing this thing, if you can, if you can tap into this idea or experience this sort of freedom, but yet do it in a very deliberate nature, then that that's the kind of the bounds, the material that holds it all together and prevents it from being just completely chaotic. You hear some of the coolest stuff, you know, from some, at least some, just from my own perspective, I'm listening to, you know, Coltrane or Brecker or, you know, some of these artists that kind of push the bounds harmonically. Kenny Garrett, there's so many that I can name. Uh, they kind of tap into their own harmonic philosophy, right? Those are the times when, at least for me, I'm most intrigued with the music is if it is a little bit strange, you know, there's this thing like there's no beauty in art that doesn't have some strangeness to it or something to that thing. I know I'm totally misquoting it, but you get the idea. Um, if you're trying to tap into a spont, you know, your spontaneous side and this, this exists for everyone, you know what I mean? Like you do your study, um, like, I don't know, lately I've been checking out, you know, Chris Potter and which is constant, you know, and, you know, Ben Wendell, he does some really cool stuff. Seamus Blake is always in my rotation, Dexter Gordon. And so you, you, you take little elements. It's kind of like a smorgasbord, you know, you go to the buffet, you get a little chicken, right? Maybe not for some people. I'm going to get the fried chicken, the mashed potatoes, right? <laughs> right. You already know what my thing is looking like. And the music is the same way. You take little bits and pieces from everyone. You know, you, you don't want to um, be a clone or a copy. You know, there's already one person that or that's doing that. But no one can do you, you know. There's no one that can do that has your unique set of proclivities as it pertains to rhythm, and this is me referencing one of my other uh, sessions, uh, the musical color wheel, when I'm talking about rhythm, I'm talking about dynamics, I'm talking about harmony, I'm talking about melody, and then your overall sound, your vehicle, your delivery system, right? So you stay like true to that while you're doing, trying to maintain all these other things and adhere to all these other philosophies. Oh, it has to be like this, it has to be like that. I think for the most part, when you start cooking, and all that's rubbish, right? You just, you're cooking. It has to be so, the things happen so fast. You have to have this, you know, access to these things in a great, like you have to have facility of it in a fashion that's quicker than just being intentional. You don't have the time to think and sort through it. It has to be deliberate. It's also a speed thing. If you think about the word intent, just the way that you use the two words will give you some idea as to how they're different. For someone who hears that or looks at the, the title of the session, like, oh my God, what's this guy on? You know, they're the same thing. This has got to be one of these musical circles, circle of nothings that, you know, sometimes you get sucked into musically just because, you know, people get too wrapped up in it. But uh, what I mean to explain is that uh, if you say this situation did not work out as I intended, right? There's no way that you could, no comfortable way that you could use deliberate in the same fashion. There's a difference and there's a nuance in the time 
the time is like the main difference. At least for me, it's one of the main differences. Like the, how, how you think, like intent requires time. Deliberate deliberacy doesn't doesn't require as much time. It functions within this lightning fast world of information that musicians live in when they're improvising, or even when they're not improvising. They're just simply processing all this information. Then their eyes, if you're reading in a section, and like the the uniformity of the group is more important than the solo voice, you're processing a lot of information at once. The decay and the attack of all these different notes in a unified fashion. And so to be deliberate, you know, I think it's like more important. It works in the in the idea or in the spirit of the way that the speed at which music happens, the way that we process information. It happens a little bit too quickly uh, to be intentional. You're intentional in the work. You know what I mean? Like you, when you're working, when you're sitting back and, uh, or not necessarily sitting back, but when you have the opportunity to sort of deconstruct uh, some of the material that you're trying to tackle, you know, you can look at it and understand it uh, from a, a, a musical or from a rhythmic standpoint, initially, I think is what's most important uh, is if you, if you get it uh, rhythmically, rhythmically you can kind of understand like where the pulse is right i think that's the most important thing it's another reference to the color wheel thing right then you can start to, to to have some building blocks right some tangible building blocks not just like some you know intangible spirits and mystical thing and music is just uh, i don't know it just makes me feel a certain way it is that but you can, you know, as an artist, as somebody that's trying to, you know, perform and uh, develop their own style and sound and sharpen their tools or their craft, um, you can use, the, you can have a very tangible basis to do these things. Not just, oh, yeah, music just makes me feel, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, that too. But um, you you have a pathway, uh, you have a method uh, to start to just think about what it is you want to communicate, right? Okay, so for example, I don't know, I don't, I was just warming up. I, of course, I lost. I had I didn't have as much time as I I thought I did. I was trying to get my computer and my all my saxes set up. I got you know, a lot of work ahead. And so, uh, yeah, I wasn't, I, I didn't really think about uh, any tunes or anything like that, but I'll, I'll try to, um, let me think. Um, what could I, what could I do? Um, everybody always plays There Will Be Another You. So, uh, I guess I'll, I'll try to do something, um, Yeah, this is a tough contrast because, like, the one I'm being intentional, so I would have to like play something that is like pre-prescribed. I don't really have anything that uh, that um, like solos or like phrases that I, I can you know contrast against. You know, the idea or the thing that I'm trying to demonstrate is. Uh, like if you if you're playing a tune, you call up a tune in a jam session, and it's like a song that you've been working on. Um, 
and you've been working on a specific transcription of this song, right? And so you just go into playing the transcription. Well, if once you get done with that, there's going to be a market difference between what you were just playing and now what you're forced to create. You know, that's, I would look at the, you know, the offering of the, the transcription as a solo is just, you know, that's just why we, you know, maybe elements, parts of it. You know, this whole concept of uh, intentional versus deliberate, I think is like another uh, kind of nuance in the distinction would be looking at it as a presentation, like I'm going to present this to, to you as opposed to like a performance. The presentation would be like the intent. Like I'm going to present this to you. You're going to get it. And then that's just what it is. And then and they can be, you know, they can they can both be the same thing, you know, in other contexts, you know. Then you can look at there are a lot of different ways. There are a lot a lot of similarities within the idea of the words themselves and what they represent. Yes, but in this very context, I'm trying to make that distinction to help soloists, artists, to be more spontaneous. Uh, in in that fashion, so I would look at being intentional as a presentation, and being deliberate more of a performance. You're performing, you're in the moment, you're like experiencing what is happening in real time, right? Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mentioned that tune. So I mean, and yeah, it's genuinely. I don't even remember when the last time I played it. Uh, but I'll just go through it. I'll play the melody a little bit and, you know, I'll start just, you know, just playing deliberately. But, you know, it's certainly not intentional because I don't have anything on my mind when it comes to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have, to, there's nothing pre-prescribed that I'm like, oh, baby, I've been in the lab. I'm going to hit them with the old one twosie. They're going to hear this lick and they're just going to go wild, right? You know, there is, there's a bit of that. You know, there's always that. Like, as I sit here right now, I don't really have anything pre-prescribed as to what I'm going to play over the song. I just know that I have an understanding of what I think the song should sound like, depending on what style I choose to start playing it in. And then that could change. You can start off with, like, a two-field swing, go into a four-field swing, and then, like, it adopts this Latin thing or just wherever you take it or whatever it morphs or mutates into. You know, you have the freedom to do that. And that's that's kind of the idea of what I'm trying to get at. Within all that, it's just not willy-nilly. You know what I mean? It's not just freestyle, continue with it. There's a bit of that, too. But it, it's within the, the the structure of the song, right? So, uh, yeah, let me... We play a little bit of this tune. Uh, what did I say? There will be never be another day, another year, right? <laughs> Thank you. 
try to it, you try to incorporate elements of uh, all the elements of the color wheel right you want to keep the rhythm uh where it is and you want to be spontaneous as possible you know like i'm just kind of floating through there thinking of like a lot of different things you know like rhythm is one of the most important you know you have to keep it you have to um, I think I look at rhythm as kind of like the, the uh, hang man. I'm just about to make another food reference. I haven't had breakfast yet. <laughs> so I must be hungry. <laughs> so like rhythm is like the bowl or the plate, right? It just kind of holds everything together, right? And then you can start to construct it uh, in other ways with uh, other elements of the color wheel, right? Uh, your sound, I mean, that's going to be your taste buds, right? That's where the rubber meets the roll, right? And your utensils, uh, we can say that that's harmony and, and, and melody, right? The, the structure, the tools, you know, that you actually... So you you want to, uh, to, to definitely be deliberate as possible while being free. This is, this is just a concept that I use to try to um, um, to not get into tendencies, right? And to like just think like you have an understanding of what what the what the format is, what the song is you're playing, and so if yeah, if you're being free, you know you can you know ideally you can just play chorus after chorus, and I mean you ultimately you're looking to reach a point of like really being spontaneous. If you're just going to the same old well, or if you're visualizing, I mean, the notes don't change. If you look at the keyboard, it's the same 12 notes. They just don't change. The way you interpret them does every time, right? And so in an effort to to just really be completely free, like a lot of uh, art uh, teachers will tell you, whether it's visual arts, auditory arts, you know, there's a certain uh, uh, um, element of, um, you know, you're, you're the, the instructors encouraging you to be free, you know, and to be spontaneous. Yeah, well, that only happens within the framework of, uh, of, uh, you know, the, 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 the <laughs> I'm stuttering now, the, uh, the framework of what is, whatever it is that you're working on, uh, whether that's music, you know, whether it's visual arts, right? And as a musician, whether you're a sax player, uh, whether you're a drummer, uh, uh, that was the distinction I was trying to make. Like, it doesn't matter. 
like uh, as a bass player, a piano player. Yeah, I mean George Garzon and different teachers like that. They've you know been famous for saying like yeah, any note, any time. If you just check out George Gar- Garzon, the sax player, you can hear some of that philosophy coming uh, to the front. And, and then like Ornette Coleman, he's another one. Uh, that uh, another name that I could use as an example. His music uh, is is interpreted as being freer than it really is. Thelonious Monk, another one. He's, oh my God, some of his tunes, it's just incredible. Like, they're so logical. Uh, Well, you need it. What's that tune? Uh, Ask Me Now. Oh my goodness. Oh, Ruby, my dear. Uh, I mean, just some of the freest yet most logical stuff that you could ever come across. And, you know, so when you're doing your listening, you know, just be aware of, uh, try to be aware of the fact that when these people were playing this music, yeah, I mean, all of them obviously must have practiced a great deal to get to that point. But when they're doing it, I mean, look at Keith Jarrett. He's another example, the pianist, Keith Jarrett. He, uh, he has videos on YouTube. You watch him, he's just like, he's standing up and he's like, he's grunting, he's making all these noises and he's like curled all over the piano. And I'm just like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know, I see that and I'm just like, I want to feel that, you know? And so in order to do that, you have to let go. You have to be like free enough. And you also have to be able to let go. You have to put in the work. Uh, to be able to to let go and be uh, deliberate uh, in that fashion, um, yeah. So I hope um, I, I I gave some little bits of uh, information that uh, uh, while I'm at it, uh, are there anybody? Is there anybody that's too dead? And we got any questions out there I could possibly answer while uh, while we have the subject on the table while it's on the menu? Another food reference. Uh, no, no food references <laughs> at the moment, sir. Okay. <laughs> but uh, being intentional. So you said you uh, you have different influences and different people you're listening to consistently. Um, you mentioned you're listening to Chris Potter lately. Is that is that what you're listening to? And 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 what specifically from Chris Potter? If you can share um, any certain recordings that you may be transcribing or, um, something you can recommend? Uh, yeah, there's, there's a ton of them. Yeah. I mean, um, there's, there's a, like, I look at like Potter is kind of like Coltrane in his, um, and how vast his, um, his musical stylings have, have become like, he has all this newer stuff with the um, his um, underground band. And then there's some older stuff that he did with Paul Motion, uh, with the Electric Bebop band. Uh, that's really, really great with uh, Chris Cheek. And I think Kurt Rosenwinkel was in that band for a while. Um, he has some stuff. I've seen that group perform live a few times in different cities up in New York. And I went back to my, my hometown uh, of Omaha I had to do a recording up there with some friends and I centered it around, like I knew Potter was coming to town. So I saw him up there 
and it, it was it was an early version of the underground band where it was like Nate Smith, and Craig Tabor, uh, playing Rhodes and also performing with the with the bass function, and and then Adam Rogers on guitar. And yeah, I mean, for anybody that wants to check out some really really hardcore. Uh, Chris Potter. I mean, there's lots of bootlegs out there. I don't encourage anybody to do that kind of thing, but um, there are a few recordings on on YouTube. Um, I think they're from around. Oh man, I don't know the year exactly, but they're over in Europe somewhere. It's like Chris. If you pl- plug in Chris Potter, fashion is like P H R A S I N G, something like that. If you get that close, it should find it. There's a few recordings on there where um, he was doing some music that he recorded on a, on a combination of a couple of different albums. But the music was just, man, like the music, the, the way that they were playing it. Like I said, I've heard this band videos of them and I've heard them live a few times. And this particular night, like everybody was just on. And I mean, I'm the audience included. Like they, it's they knew how special what they were witnessing was, you know, just by the way that they were responding. And yeah, I mean, there was just a lot of crowd participation, a lot of woohoos. And yeah, when that energy is is genuine, and you've come from a genuine place, you know, there's. There's just nothing like that. I mean, it's it's just it's like a drug, you know what I mean? It's it's you just want that, you know, and and not a manufactured stevia splendid kind of way. Another food reference. Um, you want the real thing, you know. You want that Coca Cola from Mexico, you know. You want the real thing, and so yeah. Um, that was another special recording that uh that I often listen to. Um yeah, I mean he's got some newer stuff. He's working with uh Obed Claver, he's working with Dave Holland. Um that's you know, like he seems to be mixing it up a lot more now. I mean, post um post pandemic. Um he's definitely just working with a lot more people. It doesn't seem to be doing the underground band as much. Um but yeah, I just I I dig his playing uh, because record a lot of a lot of the artists the, the contemporary artists that I dig you know um, I'm into Dave Sanborn too you know he's he's super cool if you I mean I've watched those Lethal Weapon movies so many times you can't help but love that stuff but a lot of my favorite sax players contemporary sax players they play you know they don't just play straight ahead jazz like they play some city sax I call it. You know, like they get into that as well. And Potter playing that, um, the the more funk-based stuff with his underground band is part of what inspired me uh, to do um, my, my current project with the rubber band. We do a lot of funky stuff. It's just fun. I mean, it was stuff that I, I was doing already. Um, but I think maybe in my head somewhere, I didn't really have the the conscious mind to try to to try to incorporate the two the way that I do, or incorporate styles the way that I do in the rubber band. 
uh, it was partially because of what Parter was doing with uh, with his underground band. Because while they were uh, more of like a funk based thing or a group ensemble, they didn't you could not classify them as a funk band. And you know, I'm aware of like the the rubber band uh, association, Bootsy, and all that stuff. And it's it's just an homage, man. You know, like I'm totally like I'm. Some of my earliest uh, and fondest memories of music were, you know, going to snatch some of my my parents' old thirty threes, you know, um, and and just like my Sharia more and all those. All these poppers got a brand new bag, all these James Brown. Like it was just amazing, man. They had stacks and stacks and stacks. So um, it, uh, that music is a part, just as much a part of me as anything else, and so just seeing Potter do it in the in the underground setting just gave me a little bit more of a license, you know, or a wanting it. Like, you can do it, you know. Um, there's no real, there's nothing saying that you can't, you know. You don't have to stay in some box, you know. It's music. You can incorporate whatever you, you know. And like I said, I was doing it anyway, but just not in a way that was so deliberate, you know. Now, like my rubber band group, we'll we'll go into. I think we did a show down in Sarasota. Um, you know, during soundcheck, the song "If I Should Lose You" just came to my mind, and so uh, we just started playing it. You know, "If I Should Lose You," like, and it sounded great during the soundcheck, and it wasn't really like. It was it was nice to put it in the program because of the venue that we were at. And that's that's what I'm talking about, being deliberate versus intentional. I came in with a certain mindset, like, okay, this is the rubber band and I want to present and put you know, put this forward and offer this. But then I started looking at the audience and most of these people were really old. They were down in Sarasota and or we were down there and they just it would not, but that message would not connect or resonate with it the same way. And so just by way of happenstance during the sound check, we were just playing this and Elias, my bass player, he started cooking on it. And, you know, everybody started getting, it was like, my guitar player, LaRue, he started shredding on it. And I'm like, we should do this. Right. And then like, that's, that's more of being like deliberate. Like I'm going to, I'm deliberately playing this song because it feels good for us and it will maybe be a little bit more appropriate than some of the music that I had in mind. Like we could tone down some of the music that I was going to play. Eddie Harris, Cold Duck Time or something like that. I don't even remember what I scratched, but um, we could have toned it down and played it more in a more suitable fashion for the venue. But instead we just, we can pivot, you know, you're fluid enough to just go with the flow, right? Whether that be, you know, somebody's influence on stage, the venue, or just, you know, something tragic in the world happens or something like that. And the music takes on a, a slightly different tone. You know what I mean? Being intentional is like, yeah, I ain't trying to hear none of that. <laughs> I'm just going to do it. This, which is what you what you have to do sometimes. Totally necessary. But this deliberate versus intentional conversation is just within the specific framework of being spontaneous and to encourage young musicians uh, to do so while they're improvising. So uh, once again, thanks to uh, Clearwater Jazz Holiday. 
uh, Steve Weinberger, Michael Granado, and all of, uh, all of our other associate partners over there, and all the other musicians that have been contributing to the archives. Thank them as well. And for anybody who tunes in, uh, yeah. And we, and we thank you too, uh, Dr. Professor Jeremy <laughs> Carter, <laughs> for this great session. And, you know, I do want to remind everyone, whether you're listening live or you maybe you listen to the playback, uh, you can check out this session and our upcoming sessions, our past sessions. And guess what? They are all free. Okay. And let me say that one more time because I know you just jumped out of your seat and you said, I can't believe this. But yes. They are all free and they're posted at www.clearwaterjazz.com slash education. So you can hear from great master educators and performers and artists just like Jeremy Carter. Uh, and, you know, you can check it out whether you're a beginner or you may be a seasoned performer. Who knows? We can all learn something. Never, ever, ever stop learning. Uh, thank you again to our sponsors. And also, if you have a, a, a topic suggestion, maybe it's something we haven't covered yet, or you may just say, hey, I want to hear more from Jeremy Carter. How about you email us? We would love to hear from you. We always like hearing from our listeners. Uh, you can email us at www.clearwaterjazz.com. Uh, actually, info at clearwaterjazz.com is that address. So we'll love to hear from you. We can't wait. And until next time, I've been your host, Michael Canoto. This has been the amazing Jeremy Carter. And we will see you next time. And until then, keep it swinging. Talk to you then. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Clearwater Jazz Holidays, Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Thank you to our friends at Marine Max Clearwater for helping to present this podcast series. To learn more about the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Annual Festival tradition, other special events throughout the year, and our year-round education and outreach, please visit clearwaterjazz.com.